0: Church, hello everyone. Good to see you. My name is Maya. I haven't seen a lot of your faces, so I'm usually over at the Area 51 building serving your wonderful teenagers and middle schoolers. So I have the privilege of giving you guys offering tonight. We have three announcements. Um, the first one is Train Family Night. It is a once-a-month fellowship group that focuses on training both parents and children to reign in life as growing Christ-centered family. We hope you join us. It is at, on Friday, the 25th, at the Area 51 building at 6: 30, and there will be burgers. So go for the burgers. Next up, we got the LC. Heat, which is a basketball tournament, 3V3, always enjoyable. Um, cost per team is 45 dollars. You could sign up separately for 15 if you want to find a team. Uh, we start directly after service on the 27th of, on that Sunday. Next announcement is water baptisms. That will also be Sunday the 27th. Sign up is at guest services. So sign up if you haven't been baptized. You won't regret it. Now on to offering. There we go. I knew you guys would be excited about offering. The kids are not as excited as you are, but... Appreciate the enthusiasm. Okay. We have some offering emphasis ladies, Uganda mission trip that pastor Karen and some other ladies are going on. You can direct your offering to both that and pastor Bob's trip in the Philippines, in the Philippines, not the Philippians. I, that is okay. Yeah. So that you can direct your offering to both of those and there are. Four ways to give. You guys, I'm sure you know them, but I will remind you. You can give online at lake-church.com. You can give on the envelopes, on the seat backs in front of you. You can give, there's me on that camera. Don't know why I didn't expect that. You can give on the number up on the screen, or you can give in the church center app. I will, prayer offering. If you have it in the envelopes, the buckets are back there. Dear Lord. I just thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to come together as the body of Christ, Lord. I just pray over the offering, and I pray that um, we just give it faithfully and give it with um, a full heart, Lord. I just thank you for your love, and I thank you for um, just the body of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Now, Pastor Greg. Right.
1: Amen. Lord. a quick work shall I do in the earth, the Lord said. Amen. That's good. Amen. Well, let's stand to our feet and just begin to lift our hands and praise the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. We just want to allow him access into our lives and our hearts. Praise God. We want his manifested presence here tonight. We want unction from the Holy One. We don't want to hear from man. We want to hear from the Lord. We don't want to hear from the flesh. We want to hear from the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Father, we just thank you. We give you praise. We glorify. We magnify you. For you are good and you do good. For you are good and your mercy endures forever. I just thank you, Father God. You are worthy, Lord. Worthy, Lord. Worthy, Lord. Worthy. Worthy of all of our praise and adoration. Thank Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. We glorify you. We magnify you. We exalt you, Lord. We exalt you, Jesus. We exalt you, Lord. We bind every spirit of confusion. We bind every spirit that would try to impede the Word of God. We bind every disruptive spirit in the name of Jesus. And we just thank you, Father God, that free flow of your word is going to go forth this evening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Everybody believe that? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I want you to say this. I am a power plant. God's power by the Holy Ghost dwells in me. I release, that power I release that power by believing it in, my heart it in my heart and confessing it out of my mouth. It out of my mouth. That, power that power obliterates, obliterates destroys, destroys, dismantles, dismantles, dismantles every, opposition, every opposition, every strategy of the enemy, every whether is. sickness, or disease, sickness or, disease or disease or financial trouble. It obliterates relational trauma it obliterates, and delivers me from the devil. From the devil. I have the power of God, power of God. By, virtue of by virtue of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give him praise for it. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, you might be asking yourself, why do we confess those things? Well, you know, it's imperative that we say what God says about us. It's imperative that we say what the Word of God says about us. You know, you might be reading your Bible in your devotional time and come across a scripture and it just speaks to you. You need to take a moment and you need to make that scripture yours and confess it. When you see that he'll supply all of your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, then I just say, I thank you, Father God, that you supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. See, I'm coming into agreement. Confession is the Greek word homologeo, and it means to say the same thing as. And so we need to come into agreement with God. And when we do that, we release the power in that word through our active faith that's within our heart, releasing it out of our mouth. Amen? Faith is released through the mouth. You can't have faith without a confession. Come on on now. You can't have faith without a confession. Sometimes that confession is just thank you. Amen? Sometimes that confession is just, Praise you, Lord. I give you praise. Amen? But there's got to be some vocalization. Amen? When we vocalize, we're not just telling the devil and telling God, but we're telling ourselves. Amen? And it's important for us to hear. You know, I tell people, read the Word of God to yourself aloud. Allow yourself to hear your voice Because your voice has the greatest authority over your life. Amen? So when you begin to speak that and confess that, now some people will say, well, I've been confessing the word for weeks and weeks. Well, majority of confession is not the release of faith. Majority of confession is to build the faith. That it's like loading a gun. Amen? It's like loading a gun. See, I would walk and and, and go out to the camp and I would pray and I would take Charles Capp's, you know, God's creative power. And I'd go down through those scriptures and I'd confess those scriptures over and over again. Now, did I see immediate results? No more than a farmer casts a seed in the ground and sees an immediate harvest. I'm continuing to sow the seed and I'm continuing to water the seed. And eventually, the Lord told me, and praise God, I've walked in it, thank God. He said, you're walking into a harvest of healing. Yes. Amen? Yes. You see, you sow the healing scriptures, you're going to receive a harvest of healing. You sow provision scriptures, you're going to have a harvest of provision. You sow, you sow in the area that you need help. Yes. Amen? Yes. And praise God, it's just good to throw some seed out there regardless. Amen? Amen. Amen. You can't go wrong with this. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Amen. I guess where we're going to be at tonight. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm determined to get this done this month. This month. Amen. I don't know if I'll make it, but I'm determined. I have good intentions. Amen. That's the way we judge everybody by intentions, don't we? Okay, all right. Chapter 4, we left off at uh, verse number 3. We're going to look at verse number 4. Now, he tells us that we should walk in a manner worthy of what Christ has done for us. Now, in the fourth chapter, he shifts, and he comes into practical application of the first three chapters. The first three chapters have some of the most dense theological uh, revelations that you and I could ever know because it, it basically, in three chapters, he explains the mystery of the body of Christ. See, Ephesians deals with the body of Christ, where Colossians, its companion book, deals with the head, which is Christ. So they have two different emphases. And so the revelation of the body comes in the first three chapters. Then he begins to trans, uh, transition into practical application. And so he says, in light of all these things we've talked about over these many weeks, and all that these three chapters have shown us, you walk worthy of the calling wherewith you have been called. And he tells you how to walk worthy. Worthy, and we shared a little bit about that with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Now, notice it doesn't say with all power and with all authority and with all boldness. Doesn't say that. Amen? The more mature you get in the Lord, the quieter you get. Come on now. Because you realize the value of your words. <laughs> you realize that there's, there's something that goes with your words. You begin, you know, the Bible says this in the book of Proverbs. It says, God's in heaven, you're on earth, so therefore let your words be what? Few. Few. There's, 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 that's maturity. There's wisdom in that. And the more you grow in God, the more you don't want the limelight. Oh, come on now. Oh, <laughs> the more you don't want to be seen. You don't want to do things by motivations that are not pure. You want to walk in humility. You want to walk with gentleness. That means the, more, the, the closer I get to God, the more forgiving I become. Amen? Because he has forgiven me of so much. Man, for you to offend me and to do something, then I have a proclivity because I have the divine nature on the inside of me that I can yield to that. And the closer I'm drawn to him, the more that stuff doesn't bother me. Yes, amen. Come on. Amen. I can tell you a backslidden believer is an offended, thin-skinned individual. Amen. It just seems like they cannot be satisfied by anything. And the most miserable people are not sinners. They're backslidden Christians. Excellent Christians out of fellowship with God. They're the most miserable people I've ever seen in all my days. Nothing satisfies them. They are upset and agitated about everything. But when I draw closer to God and when I've done my business with the Lord and I keep up my relationship, then offense, you know, I'm going to be tempted to be offended. Everybody's going to be tempted. But I have that connection that keeps me on the right road to where I'm able to recover quicker. Amen? And see, we've got to learn to recover quicker and be gentle people. Amen? Amen. Yes. Jesus was gentle. But did Jesus speak the truth? Yes. Absolutely he did. But he was gentle. Gentleness doesn't have anything about being a Casper milk toast and being walked all over. That's not what gentleness is. You see, gentleness is just a disposition of God. His disposition towards us, that he's kind and gentle. Nice is not a fruit of the Spirit. Nice has to do with pretense and deception. Because you can be nice to someone and and hate their guts. Come on now. Nice is play acting. Be nice, that means I get to do something I don't want to do. But kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. Yes. See, gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. Yes. We see we yield to that. That's in uh, inside our spiritual DNA. Amen? And then he goes on and he says, patience. Praise God. How many could use some patience? Amen? Oh, don't pray for patience. You want to know why? Because he'll bring someone in your life. <laughs> Go on now. I mean, he'll come bring someone in your life where you have to exercise patience, amen? See, patience has to be exercised. It's not something that, well, I need a download of patience. No, we exercise these things, amen? And so we exercise patience, and he says, bearing with one another in love. See, we've got to learn to bear with one another, amen? Hello? You know, we say this around here, you know, he's a mess, but he's our mess. Try, right? <laughs> come on now. Yeah. You, 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 got, you got to just love. You can't love people in slices. I try. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. I try. And, you know, I was talking to the students in the third year. You know, you've got to fight for people to stay in your life. Yeah, right. If you want to work with people, you fight to work with them. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Because there's going to be obstacles and things that come in. That are going to oppose that. You have to make a decision. You know what? He may make a mistake. She may say something that I don't like. But I love them. And I'm called to be with them. So I'm going to fight to be there. Amen? And that means that, you know, I'm able to lift up and bear up under those burdens. And help them. See, the first thing that happens in relationships, especially in the church, I've seen it time and time again, is someone gets offended and they immediately part. Yep. That's not what this teaches. Right. Hello? Right. When people do things that totally go against your relationship and relationship with God, that's when you need to kick it up a notch. Amen? Come on. Amen? Amen. And show them the love of God. Now, that means, you know, you're going to have to speak the truth in love. That means that you're going to have to, you know, do and say things that maybe are uncomfortable for you. But you bear up. You say, brother, I know you're struggling. I'm here to help you. Well, I don't want your help, you know. Blah, 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 blah. Well, <laughs> you know, that, that's what most people do. No? No? We might walk away for a time, but we never leave prayerfully, and we never leave, and we never burn the bridge. Hello? (laughs) We don't burn the bridge. Come on. Okay? All right. I, I, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. Move on, Pastor. Okay? All right. So we've got to bear with one another in love. You can't do it with human love. Only the divine agape love of God. That's the only way you can do it. You can't, be, you can't bear with one another in human love. You, they did not have the strength to bear that up. But the love of God does. Amen? And the Bible says the love of God's been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. Amen? Okay. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. This is vital. Notice it doesn't say unity of doctrine. It says unity of the spirit. Amen. So that means that regardless of what church I go to or what fellowship I'm a part of, if I'm born of the spirit of God and you're born of the spirit of God, we're family. We're born of the same spirit. So I endeavor to operate in the unity of the Spirit. Now, I may have doctrinal positions that are different than you. I may operate in a way that's different than you. You know, I might believe in speaking in tongues, and you do not. Or I might believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, and you may not. I might believe in dispensationalism, you may not. That's no nothing to split over. Right. Because the unity of the Spirit is what binds us together. Amen? Okay. In the bond of peace. So peace should be a prevailing aspect in our lives if we're truly walking in a manner worthy of what Jesus has done for us. Amen? Peace should be a part of it. When you know this stuff, when you have a revelation of what Christ has done, there should be a peace in your life. Now, peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is not the absence of pressure. Peace is not the absence of situations coming against you. Peace is the presence of God knowing that he is there, that he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, and that you have all sufficiency in him regardless of what you're going through. That is peace. Peace is the presence of someone in your life that brings stability and is an anchor to the soul when the storms of life come your direction. Amen? Okay? So here we go. He says, here's the unity of the Spirit here. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one, to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But so we, we, that's what we fellowship around, guys. That's what we fellowship around. We fellowship around one God, one spirit. Come on, one hope. That's what we fellowship around. If, if I can't agree with you on everything doctrinally, I can agree with those right there. You understand what I'm saying? That's the unity of the spirit. And, you know, we may differ on how we see certain things. You may disagree with the way that I see this particular passage, and I may disagree with you on how you see it. But I do believe and can hook up with you and connect with you that there is one body, one spirit, one Lord. Come on now. When we know this, it brings a cohesion It brings a a place where we can stick together. Amen? And we can grow up together in love. Amen? Until we come into the unity of the faith, which he talks about later. The unity of the faith is a process. The unity of the Spirit is a decision. See, you've got to make a decision to be unified in the Spirit. I'm born of God. You're born of God. There should be no reason why we're not family. And we shouldn't act like family. Amen? 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 So i got to make a decision. But when it comes to the unity of the faith, that's a process. And he puts a team in your life to help you come into the unity of faith. We'll find that out later here. But notice this, verse number 7. How many realize that you, if you're born again here today, how many born again people do we have? Five of you. Great! Praise God the rest of you might uh, make it in. Amen? If you are born again here today, you are a gifted person. Everybody say, I'm gifted. Amen. Amen. Back in the day when I was in school, we had what was called the gifted class. How many remember that? I don't think they call them that anymore because it kind of condescends to the other students. But the gifted class, you know, they played games like what's the square root, you know, and... (laughs) Had chess club. You were in that class, weren't you? It wasn't the short bus, but it was a, you know, it was a bus that housed special X-Men, you know, type people that were incredibly smart, had high IQs, over one twenty. You know, I mean, they were they were they were also taking college courses, you know, in the sixth grade, you know. So, I mean, they've got all this stuff. So they would have the gifted class. And in the gifted class, we had a gifted class. I was not in it. I know that's hard for you to believe, but I was not in the gifted class. So the gifted class, they got to go to all kinds. They got to go to college campuses. They got to go... All this stuff. They got to go see engineering and and do and do experiments and things of that nature. And I remember it was uh, Brad Beard and it was and it was Greg Worley. You know, these guys they they were smart. They were gifted, smart people. And so you know you'd see them at lunch and they'd sit and they'd eat together. You know their special power brain lunch, whatever it was. And you'd look at them, you'd say, man, they're gifted people. I wish I was gifted like them. Come on now. Have you ever seen someone play sports and they play it so well as a gift and you want that same gift? How many would like to play like Michael Jordan? Come on now, basketball. Of course you'd want to. You'd want to be able to play golf like jack nicholas or tiger woods or you'd want that gift there's a lot of people that are covetous and envious of gifts but if you are born again here today you are in the gifted class amen amen you are a gifted in fact The Bible teaches that you're a multi gifted individual. That means that you have something that you can't develop on your own. It's just natural to you because it's been put into your spiritual DNA at the new birth. Amen? And that's what he says. He says, But grace, that word grace, keros in the Greek, it means, in the context that it's being used here, it means gifting. Because there's grace, that is the unmerited favor of God by which we receive and uh, respond to in regards to salvation. And then there's the, uh, grace gifting, which is what he's talking about here. You, every one of you, say everyone, everyone. Even, the me, even the person sitting next to me, I know you can't believe it. Has been given grace gifts. Amen. You're a gifted person. Amen. Amen. You need to say that. I am a gifted person. God has graced me with gifts. Amen. Do you believe that? You've got to believe that. Hello? It says to everyone. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So we we shared with you a little bit about this when we did the Holy Spirit as far as God sets each member in the body as it pleases Him, not as it pleases us. But each member of the body has been given grace giftings to be in that place and to function in that place. And that gifting has great bearing and importance to the other giftings that are around it. So if one member suffers, every member suffers. If one is edified, everyone is edified. So when one gift is being used and exalted by God, then it affects all the other gifts. When one is in trouble or not being used, it affects the other, just like your human body. Amen? Because he's going to fix them to talk about it here as we go down in these scriptures. But he says that every one of you has been given a gift according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, here's something that you have to understand. Is that although every one of us have received of Christ's fullness, Christ's expression is not the same in every person. Even though I've received the fullness of the Spirit according to John Chapter 1, we have received of his fullness. Doesn't necessarily mean that everything manifests in me like it does in others. It means me being a positional member in the body of Christ manifests certain things that are attributed to my place in the body. Are you with me? Now, I've been overseas before where there wasn't a lot of ministry gifts and things of that nature, and God will use me in uh, in operation in a various gifting that I'm not used in when I'm in the States. Why? Because God is interested in manifesting himself to people where they need him. And if I'm not necessarily strong in that area right here if I go to an area where that gift is needed praise God Hallelujah. I'm a multi-gifted Hallelujah. individual by virtue of the new birth and God will use me in that regard Amen. Amen? Amen So a lot of times when it comes to the manifestation of the power gifts when when I go overseas those begin to manifest Amen Where here, it's more prophetic, more revelatory. You see what I'm saying? But God's interested in meeting people where they're at. And what we have to do is put ourselves in a position of sensitivity to be able to understand that God has called me to be a multi-gifted individual, that I am part of the body of Christ and Christ wants to manifest himself through me. See, most people aren't seeing Christ manifest through them because they're not making that a reality in their life by meditating and speaking it forth. When you get up in the morning, you need to say, I'm Christ's body. I'm a part of his body. Praise God, the works that he did, I can also do. Because he's gone to the Father. He said it was expedient that he should go away. Because if he didn't go away, the Holy Spirit wouldn't come to me. I have the fullness of the Spirit. God dwells on the inside of me. His power flows through me. That means that I can cast out devils. I can speak with new tongues. I can... Amen? See, this has to become a reality in your life. Otherwise, you're going to get in your day, and situations are going to tell you who you are. It's going to push you around. So we have to understand that even though we all have a gift, we have different administrations, different operations, and different ways that God manifests through us uniquely. Amen? You know, I've seen people operate in a teaching gift. No two teachers are exactly alike. No two evangelists are exactly alike. Someone who operates in diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation, they vary as well. Prophecy, which every believer has the capacity to prophesy. Okay? Every believer has the capacity to prophesy. Simple gift of prophecy is just... For edification, exhortation, and comfort. It is not foretelling, it is forthtelling. It's not telling people's futures, it's basically declaring what God is saying to bring edification to the individual or to the body. Amen? But even in that gifting, it differs. There's a form of prophecy that comes with someone declaring, Thus saith the Lord. And there's forms of prophecy in which you're sitting at uh, Taco Bell and all of a sudden something comes out of your mouth that's from the Lord and just speaks to that individual. And you're not even, come on now, and you're not even thinking. Hello? You're not saying, you're not standing up in Taco Bell. Oh, saith the Lord, you know. You're just saying. Come on now. Revelation gifts aren't, listen, Revelation gifts can work without the fanfare. You don't need to have this to operate in these gifts. But there's no two gifts alike because Christ is so diverse and so expansive. That it requires an entire body of Christ around the world to be able to manifest just a part of his personality. Amen? Don't think we've we got him all, you know, locked in and locked up. We don't. There's still areas we all need to grow in. Amen? And each generation has to grow in their ability to take their place in the body. Because we have people coming and going all the time. Amen? But if we don't teach this, then no, they can't take their place in the body. There are people even sitting here tonight that have no awareness of their place in the body. And it's not their fault. It's the fact that they have never sat under anybody that would explain to them that they have a role in Christ's body. That means that you and Jesus are one. That means as he is, so are you. That means as he operates, so you operate. Amen? Amen. Jesus had the Spirit without measure, but you and I have the Spirit in a measure. Amen? We've got the fullness, but the operation of operating in the works of Jesus... Kevin has a different measure and I have a different measure. Rhonda has a different measure. Come on. But when we come together, we become the body of Christ. And the body of Christ, that's the reason why people, I I tell you, I get really upset when I see people not valuing the coming together and the gathering together. Because it's through the corporate body of Christ that miraculous things can happen. Amen? Amen. Amen. And I'm not just talking about coming together here. I'm talking about coming together out there as well. When we come together as a body of Christ, praise God, there's tremendous power. That's the reason why you you could stand in line at Disneyland for four hours and never complain one time. But if someone moved your Bible over to another seat to sit down where you had it, you're gone for five years. You want to know why? Because there's opposition to unity. There's opposition to the body coming together. He doesn't want us to be together. That's the reason why relationships in the church are harder than in the world. Because guess what? Your old buddy you partied with, you weren't storming the gates of hell. You were lighting, you know, you were cooking marshmallows there together. But when you, come on now, there's relationships that don't, Bring anything to your life. Come on now. And the, the devil doesn't oppose them. But I'm telling you, godly covenant relationships, he'll fight those. Did you see the way she looked at you? Leela didn't say hi to you. i tell you what, she's got a problem. How many of you ever heard those things? Yeah, it's about the relationships that matter. The relationships that matter are attacked spiritually. The relationships that don't, easy peasy. Hello. I've had people come to me and say, you know what? I have this friend, and when we get together, I'm just free as a bird and everything. I said, oh, we better watch out. (laughs) Better watch out. That freedom might get you in trouble. <laughs> Hello. I can just do and say anything. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Hello. Godly covenant relationships have tension in them. Yes. Amen. You know I'm speaking the truth in love. Yeah. They have tension in them. Because the enemy comes against them. Amen? Amen. And iron sharpens iron. Iron can't be sharpened by anything but iron. Hello? So you've got to have people that you know that are sharpening you. But many times we find ourselves, I'm not saying that we cut off our relationships. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that the people that you deem important in your life should be sharpening you rather than dulling you. Hello? And in order to sharpen something, it requires friction. Hello? So what that tells us is this. The best relationships are the relationships that bring friction. Oh. Do you like this or not? Because it's the truth. Listen, the only way you're going to get your giftings and understand your gifting is you get around people that are going to sharpen those giftings. And that's not going to be your buddies that just, you know is inconsistent and up and down and in and out and stuff like that. Those people, um, how many would ever like to climb a mountain, a big old big old mountain with a slack rope? Nobody wants to. You know, when you're trying to climb something, the first thing you do to that rope is you yank on that rope to see how tight it is. Amen. Well, there are some relationships where you just don't know how tight it is. I mean, you yank on that road and it's just slack, slack, slack. There's no way I'm going up that mountain. There's no way I'm going to be able to do that because slack doesn't get you jack. It's tension that brings out the best in us. It's tension. Amen? Have mentors in your life that make you straighten your tie. I don't wear a tie, but I, you know, you know, come on now. You just know, man, they're coming for business. You know, when my mentor, when my father in faith walked in the room, we straightened up. Our backs got straight. Our ties got straightened and we were ready for action. Amen. You know, casualness slackness isn't gonna get you anywhere you want to go okay I can tell by your move on pastor move on but it's the truth there has to be friction that means you know you're gonna say something and they might say well you might want to think about this and what what do you mean that was a vision I got from God how dare you judge that well sorry You ain't going nowhere. You're not going anywhere. If you can't put your vision under the microscope of mentorship, you ain't going nowhere. Amen? Okay, I don't know why I said that, but it's for somebody. Okay, so according to the measure of the gift of Christ, uh, of Christ's gifts, therefore it says when he ascended on high... He led a host of captives. Now, this is a very interesting uh, scripture here because this talks about the resurrection of Jesus and the fact that he delivered captives. Well, who were the captives? The captives are found in a couple of places. Uh, In the Old Testament especially, every time a, a patriarch passed away or an important person passed away, whether it was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, it says that when they died, now in the Old Testament, it uses this language, and he was gathered to his people. How many remember reading that in the Bible? It says, and Isaac died and he was gathered to his people. Okay? So in the Old Testament, because Christ had not yet fulfilled his death, burial, and resurrection and presented his blood upon the holy seat, before God to bring us into right relationship. When an Old Testament saint died, they went into the belly of the earth in the realm of Sheol in a place called Abraham's bosom. Okay, Abraham's bosom was paradise that was put to hold Old Testament saints until Jesus Christ came to fulfill the payment for their sin and then lead them to the third heaven. Amen. Amen? Now we see this in the 16th chapter of the book of Luke. We see the story of Lazarus and the rich man, which is not a parable. This is a true, accurate tale of two real living people that Jesus knew. The rich man lived in absolute luxury. Lazarus was a beggar that was outside of his his dwelling place that begged every day and the dogs would lick the sores that were on his body and one day Lazarus died and it said and the angels carried him to Abraham's bosom okay are we okay yeah. it says the rich man died and was buried notice the language Jesus uses yeah. the very difference that there's no angelic interaction with the rich man angels don't escort you to hell they escort you to heaven hello so there's no angelic interaction it says he died and it was buried and in hell there is a hell he lifted up his eyes and he looked over across this precipice and he saw Lazarus with Abraham and Abraham had Lazarus and Lazarus was looking good and he cried out and he said father Abraham father Abraham give me just a little touch of water and to cool my thirst for I'm tormented in this flame see these are literal things this isn't figurative this isn't symbolic this isn't allegory this is real stuff Hell was not created for man. It was created for the devil and his angels. But because mankind sided with Satan and became a son of Satan, therefore he gets the same inheritance that Satan would get or the same judgment. But thank God there's a cross. Thank God there's a resurrection. And we can pass from death unto life. Amen? Amen? Now, this is a special dwelling place that had all the amenities of what would be called paradise. And they stayed there for, you know, until the fulfillment of Jesus. Now it says that when Jesus died, he ascended into the lower parts of the earth. Now, Jesus had to take an entire tour of Sheol, which Sheol has got three compartments it's got Hades, which is hell, okay? which is the place of torment. It's got Abraham's bosom, which is now empty. And in the lower part, it has a place called Tartarus. And Tartarus is where the bad of the bad go. It's where the fallen angels go when they are judged, okay? So that's not where human beings are. But the Bible says that when Jesus died and he took our sin, he went into the lower parts of the earth. Listen, there are people that get upset saying that Jesus never went to hell. Jesus never... Listen, my pastor said this for years. He said, if he didn't go, then we got to go. Amen. Amen. Now, God, Jesus as God, his spirit, you know, didn't go necessarily. It was the, the spirit of the human Jesus... That was made sin. Come on now. Because he was the last Adam. Amen. Amen? And so he went down into this place. And as he was resurrected. It said that he preached the gospel to those that were in Tartarus. So he went to those fallen angels. And he began to tell them what he had did. And he said, see you later, man. And he jetted up. And as he was resurrected, he went to Abraham's bosom. Now. There are legal documents in the Roman world that begin to classify, you can find them, of what the Roman centurions and the Roman government officials experienced on the day that Jesus was resurrected. They have copies of people saying, because this is what Matthew chapter 27 tells us, is that when Jesus was raised from the dead, he said other people were raised from the dead, and they mingled around and went and seen their families. Now, there are documented evidence, because the Romans were impeccable in keeping documents, that testified to this fact, that families testified that Grandpa Joseph showed up, and he'd been dead for 50 years. Come on, look it up for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Look it up for yourself. But but there's also teachings in the Jewish tradition, you know, that talk about this place of paradise. And each of these places house all of the prophets, all of the Old Testament patriarchs. And so when Jesus comes into paradise, and he brings a friend with him, amen, he brings that... that uh, Male factor that was on the cross with him. Yes. He brings him with him, amen. And said, Today, this day, you'll be with me where? Yes. Abraham's bosom, paradise. So he walks in with this and he begins to preach the gospel. Yes. That's what he did. He preaches the gospel. And guess what happened? Isaiah popped up and said, Yes, he's the one. Surely he hath borne our sickness and carried our. Come on now. And Ezekiel began to prophesy, and all of the prophets began to give credence to Jesus appearing. And declaring himself as the Messiah. And the Bible says that he was raised up and he led captivity captive. They were captive not by the devil, but they were encapsulated because there was a barrier between them and the third heaven. But praise God, Jesus destroyed that barrier. And now for us... To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That was not the case in the old testament. Amen? Amen. So that's a very interesting amen. So it says when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, but notice this he gave gifts to men. Now he's going to tell you what those gifts are, and you may disagree. You might disagree. Whether these th- are gifts to you, some people don't value these as gifts. That's right. I can tell you that you value a gift when you use it. Yes. Amen. But there are people that don't even think they need these gifts. Amen. Hello. I'm going to get in your cornbread. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. There are people that will tell you that I can grow without the church. I don't need to go to church, you know. I mean, I can open my Bible myself. No, no, you can't. You can, but you're not going to get what you need out of it because you need a gift to help you. Mm. Come on now. See, the body's dependent upon one another. We're dependent upon one another. And notice he says he's given every one of us grace gifts. But I like what the, what the um, King James says. It says, in a saying he ascended. Now notice this. What does it mean but that he had also descended to the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Amen. So, you know, he had to go through there because, see, the redemptive work of Christ isn't just about you. He is reconciling all things to himself. So the angelic rebellion, Lucifer's rebellion, all of it, his resurrect, his death, burial, and resurrection is writing the whole script. Things that you don't even know about, that you don't even have any awareness of. He is reconciling everything to himself. He is writing everything through Christ Jesus. And that's the reason why he has given him a name. That is above every name. That at that name every knee should bow. Of things in heaven. Of things in earth. And things under the earth. So if there wasn't anything under the earth. Then he wouldn't have said it. Amen. So he is rectifying you know genesis 3 he's rectifying genesis 6 he's rectifying genesis 11 and if you don't know what that is come to disclosure okay he's rectifying all of it the angelic rebellion all of it he's reconciling all of it in one fatal swoop amen and so he says this and he gave some that's what the king james says so that tells me that not everybody has these gifts. Nor would everybody want them. I know people jonesing for it. And being covetous over it. And when it says covet the best gifts, it's not talking about these. Come on, it's talk. you know. And he, he says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. Now those are what we call the fivefold ministry gifts. Okay? Now they're given to some. Everybody say some. some. Not to everyone. Yeah. And just because you can teach a Bible study does not mean that you are a fivefold minister. Mm-hmm. No. Just because you went on a mission trip does not make you a fivefold minister. Right. Just because you think you can preach real good does not make you a fivefold minister. Yeah. Come on now. It's a calling. You know, it's just like uh, I think Kevin had a a guy call him the other day or a few months back, and he says, "Uh, Is the ministry a good profession to, a career path? Well, it's not a career path. You're not going to go to your guidance counselor and get brochures on how to be in the ministry, the ministry is a calling. Now, every believer has a ministry, every believer, because you have been grace gifted to operate like Jesus in the earth. But not everybody is a ministry gift. Come on. It's okay. Don't be all right with it. Be okay. See, one of the greatest revelations you can get is not just who you are, but who you aren't. I mean, it's absolutely freeing to know who you are. And I know people that are tormented. They're absolutely tormented by, it. am I this, am I that, and what, could I be this, could I be that? Tormented by it. That's not grace. That's not peace. Amen. Hello. <clears throat> so you've got to understand that only God can call. Man can't call you. And you know what? Man can't even confirm it without the Holy Spirit. There's no way. You know, well, I see that in you. Well, don't put that on me, Ricky Bobby. You know, I mean, hello. Amen? So when it comes to an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, and actually the Greek says pastors that teach, okay, when we get into those fivefold gifts, they're exclusive. That doesn't mean they're better than you. That doesn't mean they're more mature than you. I know a lot of believers that are mat- more mature than some people in the ministry. Hello. God used a donkey to Balaam. He still uses donkeys today. I'm proof. Hello. We talk about this all the time. You can have gifting without character. You can have this ministry gift, but yet not. Have the fruit of the recreated human spirit. Amen? Amen. So it's some. Everybody say some. Some. Now, what is the fivefold ministry? The fivefold ministry, I like to put it this way it's God's coaching staff. Because that's what it is. Because guess what? I'm not, I may be anointed to preach and to teach, but I'm not anointed to live. I have to live just like you. And guess what? There are some of you out there that are better at doing stuff than I am in the, in, the, in the things of God. There's better soul winners out here than I am. There's even better teachers than I am out there. Come on now, listen. That doesn't mean that it negates who I am. See, some of the best coaches were mediocre players. Phil Jackson was not a star player. He was not a LeBron James. But he has more rings as a coach than any other coach. Pat Riley. He was a scrapper. He was a good defensive player, but he was not a starter. He was not somebody that started. But yet... He was gifted to be able to bring out the best in his players. And what ministry gifts do is see in you what you cannot see, pull it out, show it to you to where you can't forget it, and then tell you how to develop it and help you, equip you to to do it. Amen? Amen? You know, I went down to Texas one time as a teenager. And uh, we were diving off a diving board at a hotel pool, me and a friend of mine. And we wanted to do all these kinds of different flips and stuff like that. And you know what? I'd get up there and just flop around, belly bust, and, you know, and just bruise myself up on the water. Until finally I retired from it and my friend was still continuing to do it. As I began to tell him, no, you need to tuck this in. You needed to do this. He got better and better. Even though I couldn't do what he was doing myself, my input helped him, equipped him to be able to do the flip that we wanted to do. You see what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. Somebody's telling me I'm done. (laughs) Straight up eight o'clock. Might be Daniel Greenwood. He wants to put his kids to bed. (laughs) Amen. See... Notice this that the fivefold ministry is given to equip the saints. The actual Greek word means to set a bone. So basically, I can't find my place and operate in it efficiently in the body of Christ without these ministry gifts in my life. So these gifts actually work to set the bone or set the piece in place. Amen? Amen. And it's the apostle, apostolos in the Greek. It's a naval term. It means an admiral over a fleet of ships. He's given resources to build infrastructure and to create processes, programs in your life to help assist you In your ministry. Then you have the prophetic ministry. And like I said, we are not to be guided by prophets in the New Testament. Now, I'm here to tell you that the prophetic gift is just as important in the New Testament as it is in the Old. But the main difference is going to be that we're not guided in our personal life by prophetic utterances from someone else. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The primary place we should receive guidance is through the written Word of God and the inward witness of the Spirit within our own lives. Now, if God chooses to bring an utterance of direction, a word of wisdom, or a word of knowledge, then that's up to God. It's as He wills. I don't look for it. I don't jones for it. I'm not, you know... Anybody got some prophecy? You know, I mean, I don't have an addiction to it. Come on. There's people that are addicted to it. Hello. Be addicted to prayer. Be addicted to seeking the face of God. Be addicted to the Word. And I'm telling you, direction will just come like that. You don't need someone to tell you, yeah, they'll say the Lord, you blah, 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 you know, and say something. Come on. We got to understand it now. Is prophecy still important? In the of course it is. Of course it is. But it's not the same as the Old Testament. The main direction that God used in the Old Testament to guide His people was through prophetic utterances through His prophets. But He works through His apostles and prophets in the New Testament, Amen. But the prophetic ministry. It's not so that we can prophesy over one another and make everybody feel good. Hello. See, you can prophesy out of your own spirit. Did you know that? Just if you know the word, you can just declare scriptures, and that's, you know, that's edification, but it's not necessarily prophetic in the sense that it's talking about here. And there is what we saw when we studied the Holy Spirit. There is a gift of prophecy that, that we can operate in as believers, but that doesn't make us prophets. Right. See, someone will prophesy, I'm a prophet now. I'm a prophet. I prefer that you call me prophetess. Hello? If I have to call you that, you're not Hello, yeah. Some of you have known me for a long time. Some of you have never met me before. But when I walk in the room, there's a witness to who I am. Okay? I don't need to tell you. Hello. But people making cards to hand out, you know, prophets so-and-so, apostles so-and-so listen these are not titles they're functions
2: yes.
1: Yes. <clears throat> amen they're functions yeah. now do I have a problem with the music title Yes and no yes and no don't really care for it but if that's your game i'm I'm, I'm unity of the spirit <laughs> unity of the spirit is that your game if you want to call yourself Apostle this or you know I've got some people that that's the way they want to be. I do it because of the spirit of unity. But I personally don't need it. Now, I will tell you this, if I may. When it comes to, you know, offices of this type, the office is what's anointed. I personally don't have... I personally can't do nothing to you. Or do nothing for you. You see. So people will come and they'll say, well, what do I call you? You know. Brother Greg. Come on, I'm not getting on to you, Dave. I'm just, Brother Greg. <laughs> because D- Dave and I have known each other for a long time. And, you know, and most people will call me Greg, and that's fine. Or Brother Greg. Or Hey, whatever you want to call me. Okay. But the fact of the matter is, what you call is what you get. So if you want goofy Greg, I'm here, baby, in all of my glory. But if you want pastor, and it's not meant to say, I, you need to call me that because you don't need anybody that knows me. I've never demanded anything, but I'm just saying you call what you want. You understand what I'm saying? And when it comes to these giftings, they're functions. I need that function in my life, I need that pastoral function in my life, I need that teaching function in my life. What they call Jesus, Rabboni, they called him master teacher. Well, what does that do? That release that into their lives. See, people, giftings become what you call them. If you call them right, you'll receive the benefit of them. But if you ignore them and try to go after, you know, uh, the soldier. Here's, here's an illustration of this. The soldiers that came to get Jesus, they said, we're here to get Jesus of Nazareth, They talked to his humanity. They thought they were just getting a normal guy. And he goes, I am. And they, Psh. you see what I'm saying? So you got to understand that, you know, you may come in and you may tap into a natural aspect. But I'm telling you, if you want to tap in the gift, then you need to call the gift forth. Amen? Amen. You can call me Greg, Brother Greg, Buddy, Hoss. (laughs) Somebody call me, hey, Hoss. Oh, how wonderful. (laughs) It makes me feel real good. (laughs) That's okay. Call me whatever you want. But when you need what God has on me and in me, call it force. Pastor. Teacher, I need, you see what I'm saying? And the same with you, you know, the same with other ministry gifts in your life. Come on now, all right? And then it talks about evangelists and these evangelists, they operate in in, in last things. They operate in the fact that lost things, not just lost people, but lost inheritance, lost health. Yep. See, an evangelist is not a pastor. There's been a lot of, evangelists that, because they couldn't get meetings outside, they start churches. And, of course, they're not equipped to be able to feed the flock the way that a pastor comes, so majority of their messages are just either salvation or healing messages. Come on now. There's nothing wrong with hearing that, but you hear that over and over. How many have been in churches, heard salvation every week? There's nothing wrong with it. It's just you can't grow past that. You don't have supplemental ministry. You're not going to grow past that place. And then it says, and pastors that teach, actually it's the word shepherds, and basically it's the taking care of a flock. Okay? Majority of what a shepherd does isn't what I'm doing right here. It's, it's managing and taking care and ministering to the flock. Amen, and then it's the, the the ministry gift of teachers now notice to equip the saints so that they can do the work of their ministry. that's the whole purpose. Right. the whole purpose of God's coaching staff is so you play better. Yes. Yes. Amen? amen you play better you're able to do what God's called you to do and equip the saints now notice this for building up the body of Christ that's what the fivefold ministry is supposed to do is as you begin to do your ministry. It begins to build up the body of Christ, and that's what's important. Amen? Until we all attain. Now, notice this until. No, everybody say until. until. So that's the time frame. There are people that will teach you that these gifts don't operate anymore, the gifts of the Spirit don't operate, the apostle don't operate. We just got pastors and evangelists, and that's it. In fact, I've been part of denominations that only recognize. The pastor and the evangelist and the missionary, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And they would also also say that an apostle was a missionary, and there is an aspect of that. But not all missionaries are apostles, right. and not all apostles are missionaries. Right. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So, so you know, they'll say, "Well, it's just pastors and teachers and and, uh, and evangelists." That's what's today. The apostle and the prophet—they've been passed away. That's not what it says here. It says these gifts will be here until we all, everybody say all. all. Not just me, not just you. All attain to the unity of the faith. Yes, oh, how many realize that's a process? Amen. Yes. That's not going to happen overnight. Right. Amen. And of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of The fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. Now, that's part of the ministry gifts. Ministry gifts are to speak the truth in love. Now, there's a lot of ministry gifts that just want to speak the truth. but we're not called just to speak the truth. We're called to speak the truth in love. Amen? Hallelujah. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, that means when each gift is is working in their proper place and capacity, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Amen. Amen. Amen? So the goal of the five-fold ministry gift is to place, like the setting of a bone that is out of joint, placing, helping to place, by the Holy Spirit, people in proper positions so that they can function as a body. And just as it talks about the unity, uh, you know, where the oil is poured upon Aaron, upon his head. See, when his body is uniform, that oil covers his whole body. Do you see what I'm saying? But if he's fragmented, his head's over here and his, you know, his body's over here, then it's not going to flow down. But praise God, unity Of the Spirit and unity of faith are two different things. Unity of the Spirit, I need to get with right now. If I've got a problem with my brother, I got to get it right. I got to get connected. I got to stay connected because guess what? My connection to you is important to my life and is important to everybody else. Because when one member suffers, we all suffer. But when it comes to the unity of faith, that is a process that you and I are continuously in until we reach maturity, until we reach the fullness of Christ. Now, we receive the fullness, but we're not experiencing his fullness. We experience his fullness by maturing in him, and that's going to take the rest of our lives. Amen? Did you get anything out of that? Did that help anybody? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands and thank him for the word. Hallelujah. We thank you so much for your word. Praise God. Holy Spirit, lead and guide us. Direct us, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you came here and you don't know the Lord, we're going to have ministers that are up here to help and assist you in your praying to get you connected into the body. If you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you desire that, praise God, they're here to help and assist you. We have altars here up front that you can pray and intercede on your own behalf. And see God do tremendous things. And we have people that will agree with you in prayer. So if you need deliverance, if you need um, you know healing in your body, they will be up here to uh, assist you. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.